You're listening to Cinema Geekly Premium, premium podcast from premium people. Thanks for your support. Today we are canceling the apocalypse! sure you're all right it's not a crime to let it out there's nothing to let out chuck's a sick man that's no excuse he's my brother he thinks i'm a scumbag there's nothing i can do to change that what else is there to say wow that's mature dalai lama's got nothing on me you drink one drink two drink three long island iced teas but your buddy's worse off and he throws you his car keys. Blue lights are blinking four o'clock in the morning. State Trooper makes you wish that you'd never been born. Better call Saul, better call Saul. You want to tell the world you're in love with a girl named Fran? So you find an overpass and you say it with a spray paint can. Blue lights start a blinking, those handcuffs click. You know who to call and you better call. It's time to Better Talk Saul, Cinema Geekly's Better Call Saul podcast. I'm Anthony Lewis. And I'm Glenn Beauvais. And we're here talking the finale of season one, Glenn. It it came, we, we blinked, and now it is done. It it really does feel that way. It doesn't feel like ten episodes. It really doesn't. It, it really did come so just, uh, you know what it is? It's because it's, it's so good. It's such a solid show <laughs> that it just, the episodes are really a breeze to watch. They just blow by. And you're, when it's done, you're like, that was that was an hour? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that was the finale? That Nothing it's... happened. <laughs> well, I, I, I will say this. Stuff did happen, but it was, um, and, I, and I did, I did love the ending. Oh, but... no, I loved it. It's yeah. just, it's. We'll, we'll get into it. Yeah, not, not this. This isn't like the time where Walt ran down two guys that were about to kill Jesse, and he shoots one of them in the fucking head. This isn't like one of those kinds of endings. No, we were just no. like, "What the hell?" This uh, isn't a you know yeah. Oliver Queen taking a header off of a cliff. Like, no, this, is... it, this was not. Yeah, Jimmy McGill was not killed by Rachel Gould at the end of this episode. Uh, <laughs> but but it was a there was a death in the episode, but it was a. Um, uh, this this episode was in tone with uh, kind of the way they're way they're going, and, and there definitely is a tease, right? It is definitely teasing a direction, but it is one that oh, we're going to have to wait. Yes, it is one that we're going to have to wait a little bit to see. Uh, let me also say this before we get going on this episode. Maybe I'm the only one, but I fucking love the intro to this show. I mean, because it's just a simple song and a title so card. Fucking cheesy. But it's oh, it's but so that, great. That's why it works. I mean, only I, I should probably say that. And the well. best, the best part, the best part of the intro for me, Glenn, is how the intro, the intro cuts off right in the middle of a note in the song. <laughs> ba, 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 and then it's just done. There's no, there's no ending to the song. It's like they they stopped recording it in the middle of the song and did not pay attention to where they stopped. I don't know why I like that so much, but I do. I. Love the intro. It's ridiculous. You know that they're going to tie that into the show somehow. Yes. I mean, that's why I like Granite State so much. I, I probably, out of all Breaking Bad, I probably watched Granite State the most 
just because of the end of the episode where you get to hear the full theme song and it's just man <laughs> is it good I give it to you uh all right so let's talk about uh i'm gonna give it to you dmx give it i'm sorry the uh let's not get on let's not get on uh catchy theme songs sir because we could we could be talking about uh, a million other theme songs before we get to uh to better call Saul's finale here it's season one episode 10 called marco and uh let's let's hop into it we start with a flashback uh with the i, I they keep saying young jimmy but he totally does not look young uh slightly younger looking jimmy mcgill uh this is right after he gets out of prison with chuck's help uh, and he goes uh, back to his his local hometown bar where uh, he catches up with Marco. Marco would be the fella who perpetrated the uh, the Rolex scam mm-hmm. with him uh, a couple episodes butthole, back. Butthole, 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 butthole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his um, <laughs> and Jimmy tells him that he is moving to Albuquerque to start uh, an honest life and give up on the cons, which gravely disappoints Marco. How gravely we will find out later. Uh, present day Jimmy goes to Hamlin Hamlin uh, and he hands over the case to them uh, and has a heart to heart with uh, with Howard. And uh, Howard tells them that he's sorry for being such a shithead and gives him his $20,000. And Jimmy understands. And you're correct, Glenn. It appears that Chuck is far more important to this law firm than Howard Hamlin is. Um that he's willing to jump through all of these hoops. And Howard even admits that he always liked him. Like yes. He, he rooted for him and stuff. Indeed. Howard was the brother Jimmy wished he had. <laughs> yeah, no uh, shit. So he also, uh, Jimmy also hands over Chuck's grocery list, the newspapers he wants. <laughs> and Howard gains even more respect for Jim. There's like this spot where he's just like, you do this for him like every day. And he's like, yeah. And he just—he was just blown away that his brother was doing so much for Chuck. Like, I think it sent some sort of message to Howard. He's like, "Wow, Chuck is a dick." Yeah. Like, no look shit. at everything Jimmy is doing for him and trying to make his life an honest one, and he's still shitting on him. Uh, so yeah, Howard is really impressed. Um, afterwards, Jimmy returns to the retirement home where he is hosting a game of bingo, which does not go particularly well. Uh, he keeps drawing the letter B. Which the odds have to be insane uh, that this this letter would keep coming up. Uh, and to add to the tension, there's this constant vacuum sucking sound, and they do like this GoPro style shot of the of the ball machine constantly chucking another one up. And it's always a B, and he's like B as in brother and B as in betrayal, and he just starts losing it. And right in the middle of the game goes nuts and just starts telling everybody about this story about how he was this this guy named Chet I think it was he owed him money uh and cheated cheated with his wife uh, and so what did he call it what was the thing that he did I forgot the guy took his wife it's called a a, a Chicago sunroof yeah, something like that. Yeah, and he's like, "You want to know what it is?" He's like, "I, he's like, I shit." I'm not the only one who did it. I have a name for it. Someone yeah. else did it before me. Yeah, and someone's gonna do it after. Uh, he's like, so he basically he's like, "I shit through the sunroof of his car," and he's like, "What I did not know was that his children were in the back seat." Uh, and he's like, and apparently that gives you indecent exposure and all this other yeah, stuff. Yeah, he was connected, and and now I'm labeled as a sex offender. Yeah, and that's what got him in prison, and that's what Chuck got dropped for him. Um, but basically, he says this is 
where he's at today, that's where it started. He quits the bingo game and just fucking just ditches. He leaves. Mm -hmm. Um, Jimmy at this point decides he needs to take a break. He goes back to his hometown, Cicero, Illinois. And lo and behold, Marco, I'm presuming, still sitting in the exact same spot where Jimmy had left him so many, whatever it was, two years ago or whatever it was when he left. I'm presuming Marco had not left from that seat and was still there. Um, they reminisce. They catch up. Uh, they uh, they start talking about old scams and, and all this shit that they used to do. And Jimmy starts telling Marco that, hey, he's, you know, he's a lawyer. Marco cannot believe this shit. He is blown away. He's like, yeah, I do. I do elder law and wills and all this other stuff. And um, he's like, hey, wow, that that's great that you've got a career and everything. That's that's awesome. Um, but he's like, hey, man, I'm glad you've moved on. But the con thing, that's all I ever had. That's all I know. I have nowhere else to go. Uh, that's all Marco's got going for him is the cons. And he's like, hey, man, I got one last Rolex. You want to do, come on, one more time. And it was like the old thing of like, I'm not going to do it. Yes, you are. Come on. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And then they smash cut to him doing it, obviously. Um, So they're doing the con. And in the middle of it, uh, Marco has a heart attack and collapses. And Jimmy rushes to his aid. And uh, the last thing that Marco says was, I screwed up. Jimmy, you know what? This was the greatest week of my life. And uh, Jimmy gets Marco's pinky ring from Marco's mom at his funeral. And uh, he comes back to Albuquerque. And uh, Kim calls him up on the phone and tells him that the Sandpiper case has grown too big for even Hamlin and Hamlin to take on. So a new partner is joining them in the case, Davis and Maine, a law firm from Santa Fe. And they are interested in hiring Jimmy and placing him on track to be partner. Um so, yeah, Jimmy is blown away by this. And Chuck can't block the decision because uh, Davis and Maine is a different law firm. Uh, so Jimmy is all excited, drives to the courthouse, and uh, is running through the shit in his head like, you know, nice to meet you. Oh, yes, yeah, lovely to meet you too, and all that shit, talking to himself. And um, he stops, and he looks at the pinky ring that Marco's mother had given him and turns around and pulls up to Mike, who is still attending Gate, and I think he just picked up another job as well, which I'm desperately wanting to see. Uh, we got to do a whole side. There's got to be like a spinoff series of Mike just taking jobs for these losers who need protection. <laughs> There's got to be one of these things going on. Um, and Jimmy's just like, hey, we had like almost $2 million. Why didn't we just keep it? Nobody knew we had the money. We could have split that. We, they would have had, I can't remember what he said, like, you know, $800,000 or something like that each. Why didn't we do that? And Mike says, yeah, I don't know. You said something about doing the right thing. And he's like, if you're wondering why I didn't just keep the money, he's like, you hired me to do a job and I did it. And that's it. My word is my bond. And uh, Jimmy just sternly looks at him and he says, he's like, you know what? I'm not going to make that same mistake again. I'm. He's like, I, I, I knew what I should have done, and I'm never gonna let that. I'm never gonna let what happened happen again. And he drives off. He starts humming "Smoke in the Water," and then "Smoke in the Water" starts playing. And I'm like, "This is the greatest scene of all time." 
and uh then the show cuts to credits. By the way, I guess that was also Marco was humming the song as well before he died. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a goddamn awesome ending. What did you think of Marco? The episode? Uh, I loved it, but it, it's just it's so weird to see we live in. I mean, really, this golden age of television. Yes, yeah, so there's a lot of garbage, but it's never been better at the stuff that's at its best. And everything is about you know either it's a some kind of resolution that also ends in a cliffhanger, like something new is going to arise from this resolution that you've had. That's how basically every show ends now. Um, You know, I talked about, you know, Hannibal last year. I mean, it was a great resolution of things, but now it's like this cliffhanger of like, is he really going to get away with all of this? And how can, you know, Will Graham actually chase him after this or breaking bad? Like there's just always these, it ends, but something is always something else is going to come out of it to keep us wanting to wait for the new next season. And with this, it was just a, I just kind of ended it. I was just, I I know where they're going, but it wasn't anything like, oh man, I'm so pumped, I'm so ready. It's just like, mm-hmm. wow. So that's that's why he's going to be Sal or Saul Goodman. Holy cow! <laughs> like that's it was just that's that's really. I mean, this whole season has just been, you know, why how. how Let's get to the name. How does this happen? It's just because his brother is a shitbag um, and just doesn't believe in him. And because of his brother's disbelief in himself, it's like, well, if if Chuck, you know, this lawyer who's accomplished all this stuff, can't see me as a good person, then I guess that makes me not want to see myself as that. I'll I'll be whatever he wants me to be, which is, you know, a a chimp with a machine gun. That's that's what he is becoming now. And it's... I, I, now it's now you can see that it's he may not enjoy being Saul Goodman and that it's all out of spite. And again, it's I'm sure when this show ends because I don't I can't see it going past maybe four or five seasons, and it and it shouldn't. It doesn't need to be go on forever. Yep. Um, but when it ends, you know, four or five years, I'm probably gonna watch Breaking Bad again because now it's it makes Saul so much more sweeter than just the, the funny guy that you got to see in every scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, for me, and I think you're completely right, by the way, it's, uh, it's one of those things where Chuck is like, you know, this is who you think you are, but this is who you are. And Jimmy, who this whole time honestly thought, no, this is who I am. I'm I'm not that guy is now kind of going into that thing of like, oh, if this is who you think I am, then watch out, motherfucker. This is who I am going to be. And um, you're right. I think he he might be doing it out of spite. Um, I uh, the the title character for this episode, Marco, mm-hmm. is um, it, it's weird to me actually that he's kind of going in this direction because I I looked at him kind of in a sad way, you know, like wow. I mean, Jimmy tried pulling his shit together, and even though his brother's an asshole, he he's pulling his shit together here. And this poor, this poor fellow is, you know, he never got past that. All he, you know, all he knows and loves is the whole con conning people thing. And, um, I think maybe it's all of the stuff that is, that is kind of coming together for Jimmy at the moment with his brother's betrayal of him and everything like that, that he's maybe looking at Marco in a different light. But I mean, if I was in his shoes, you know, I would have looked down at that ring and I would have been like, shit, like what happened this week with Marco and everything? He's like, you know, it's that old saying like there, but for the grace of God, go I like that could have been me 
had I not pulled my shit together, I could have been that guy. And the fact that he's going in the direction of that guy, like going back to it, I guess, regressing, um, probably has more to do with the fact that his brother, you know, essentially turned his back on him, I guess. Um, even though I think Chuck's intentions are good, like he just does not see what the viewers and what Jimmy obviously sees and other people see in him. Chuck just does not see it, um, even though I think his intentions are decent. Like, I don't think he's a horrible human being. I think he just doesn't see what everybody else is seeing. Um, but yeah, it's probably pushing him to become Saul Goodman. And it, and it might be, and I think it'll be far more interesting if it's the sort of thing that he was pushed into. Like, he was trying not to be it, but he got pushed into it, um, you know, for you know a variety of, a variety of reasons. It's, it's, it's weird. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But it feels like it's sort of like a parallel Walter White. Like, it's not the same thing, but... I think it's a little bit different because... I mean, because once well, I Walter think... White got to a certain point, he wanted it. Oh, he wanted it, yes. Yeah, I, I but... mean, after the first season, it was Walter White yes. wanted to become this. Yeah, I don't want to say they're two sides of the same coin. It, it's different in some ways, but... Uh, like, Walter definitely, I think, was pushed into becoming what he became. It's just that once he got there, he loved it. And I think the opposite might be the case for Jimmy slash Saul. I, he's pushed into the situation, and I think once he gets there, he doesn't like it, but he's stuck there. Um, yeah, it's it's more like... I think it, it's a it's, very interesting companions. It's an interesting companion because of the fact that of what Saul was to us in Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, like, I'm not, I'm not saying he was... I don't want to say sympathetic or unsympathetic. Like, it's not... Sympathetic isn't the word. Right. Uh, he wasn't, he was just a caricature and he, you know, he like, you know, he, and he embraced everything that he was, but now it's, we're going to see him become this. And, and I think that we're going to someday, or even just in flash forwards, see how he is even during the time of breaking bad and seeing maybe how much he resents himself, Mm. but it's maybe, but his hatred for what his brother said, it's like, you know, I'm going to prove everything. Everything you say is going to be true because I'm going to make it true. Um, even if it isn't, but it's just, you know, you said this, this is what you wanted. This is what you said I could be. This is what you, the only thing you thought I could ever amount to. And that's, that's the road he's going to go down because of, I mean, hatred's a powerful thing. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be weird because I feel like by the time better call Saul is done, he's going to be, and Walter White doesn't do it, you know, himself any favors. And I don't think he's supposed to be sympathetic, but it's weird out of all of this that, you know, out of all the characters in this Breaking Bad universe, that it's going to end up being Saul Goodman, who is the most sympathetic character. Yes, I think so. Yeah, you're I think you're 100 percent right. Um, and it's I don't know if that would have ever happened. Probably would have never happened had it not been for this show. But yeah, uh, the light they're putting it in, it, it's you know, we've talked about this before. Uh there's a way to do a spinoff, and they're doing it the 100% proper way. It's it's adding to the character that we already know and love. You'll be able to go back now and watch Breaking Bad again. I mean, I don't know if I want to now. I think I kind of want to wait until this show's run its course. Yeah, I, I have, it has to be – everything has to be finalized so then I can understand. Yeah, you look at it all through the light. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's – I mean, it's going to be so much more rewarding to what was already the best show on television. Oh, yes, a, a very rewarding <laughs> watch. Which is it's a it's a huge credit to Vince Gillian and Peter Gold. I mean, that's damn. That's really that's that's talent. Like you, 
if you're able to dig into something, I mean, George Lucas tried to do it and he failed miserably. Like, he did just, indeed. Oh man, yeah, you, don't, you just don't see it. No. Yeah. Uh, so, what would you give Marco on the the score o meter? Uh, I mean, I, I like a four, not quite a four and a half, but definitely mm-hmm. a four. It, it it was it was everything I was I ex, not I expected. It was just. It was expectedly unexpected. Yeah. I guess, like it was just—it's so weird to just see a, a show whose final final finale isn't just you know oversaturated and just this you know. Usually, that's the thickest show. That's your thickest episode. You want to end on a high note, mm-hmm. and this show—they have never done that with. Yeah, with Breaking Bad, that was that was kind of his uh, his mo was to do. You know, Ozymandias was not the finale to that season. It was two or three episodes before the finale or whatever it was. And the finales kind of just, um, they they aren't flat uh, by any means. They're not flat. They do leave you with something. But I, I think he knows to, like, not raise the bar too high. I think in some ways the way he places episodes is artfully done. Like, people do not pay enough attention to it. I think some of the problems that people had with shows maybe like Lost or something where the finales to seasons were so mind-bendingly incredible or something, people raise the bar so high in their minds of like, what's coming next? And then when they don't meet those high standards, people get pissed with the show. Yeah, you're talking about like the emotion of the viewer. So if something ends on a high note, you're having to wait, you know, six, seven months for it to come back. And it's never going to just come back and just hit the ground running. That's just you can't do that because um, you yeah. you're having to set the stage again for another season. Yeah. And the thing with like you're talking about Breaking Bad is that like you have the highest point you could have for drama mm-hmm. about two or three episodes before you get to the finish line. Yeah. So that the finish line is just that much more sweeter. And so whenever the show comes back, you're like. You're ready. You're ready for it. Like you, you've, you're now. You, you know, you've sat there and you can look at it pragmatically versus like with your heart on your sleeve, which is, I think, is smart for him to get all the emotion that you're having as a viewer, getting it out by a week by week basis, and then having to just sit there and be like, I can't wait for the next season by the time it's done. Instead of like, oh my god, that was so crazy. What's going to happen? It was yeah. just, uh, I know what's going to happen, and I can't wait. I mean, it's it, it's like. You know, you wake up in the morning, you're glad to get the paper and read, you know, you know, read the paper and drink coffee. Like, it's just, it's relaxing. And that's what I love about this show. It's just, I enjoy it. Probably yeah, I mean, they, much. I mean, they gave us, they gave us two, five, you know, five Geeky Glasses episodes this season. One, uh, one kind of in the middle and then one right before the finale. Mm-hmm. And the, and it's not like the finale did not, uh, deliver something it did he took a step towards being Saul or becoming Saul which is a big deal but it's not like this crazy thing that like people are like holy shit what's gonna happen next (laughs) like he took a step that everybody knew he was eventually going to take and that's where it like the next season will be him delving further in you know taking more steps um, and if, you know, he continues with it, he's probably, you know, and Vince Gilligan does not give a shit whether or not we give, and I'm giving this four geeky glasses as well. <laughs> yeah. He does not care about the scores, but to me, um, the scores are just indicative of, of his style, which is, you know, build them up really high and then kind of let them down softly at the end of the season. 
so that people aren't going too crazy on speculation or anything like that. There's enough to keep you interested in the show, but not so much that you're creating wild fan theories on the internet, trying to solve shit uh, and answer questions that have been raised to you and things like that. And there's really nothing wrong with shows like Lost either. I'm not shitting on Lost for people that are going to write Yeah, I love in. it. It's just um, uh, it's a I, different I, show. I love, I love Lost because I was able to watch it without the high expectations and waiting in between seasons. When there was a great finale to a season, I started the next season on <laughs> Netflix. Like there was... Uh, I could watch it at my own my own pace, so I enjoyed the show a lot more than a lot of others because, you know, I was able to sort of take my time through it and watch it as I was ready to watch stuff uh, and things like that. And I think I I took to it better than than others. Um, but yeah, that is why I think Vince Gilligan has laid this show out perfectly. It's he he just has some sort of you know he's he's almost like neo at the end of the first matrix where he just fucking jumps into the code and understands it <laughs> he has some sort of weird thing where he can just reach into like the ethereal plane that is television and he just knows how to put shit together yeah and people it's weird he's an people, artist he's very people good. are probably like oh he needs to make movies he's so talented it's like I don't want him to do movies. I that want not him be, to tell yeah. long narrative stories because they're a movie just... might not be his medium. I mean, he—I think he did a movie, and I think it was a shit movie. If I mean, memory he's, serves, he's had bad scripts for films. I mean, oh, he yes, wrote that yes. movie Zoom, but that's just—you know—you're a hired gun. You know what can you do? Yeah, and it's just—you um, know—maybe if he ever tries to do movies, he—you know—maybe he won't be good. I—I I mean, I wouldn't bet against it because he's. I mean, holy crap! It he, seems he, like if you give the you give the guy the keys to the castle, like it seems like he delivers. He uh, wrote. He but, wrote Hancock. Yeah, he did. So, so there you go. But I, I don't. I don't. You know, it's. I don't. There's a lot of things that go into a movie. There's a lot of hands. I don't. Oh, sure, sure, sure. I'm not, I mean, I'm not blaming him. Now, for, if he walked into a movie and he said, "I want to do this," like. I'm sure he's going to have a lot more say into it than he did for writing the script of Hancock. Oh, I agree. Like, I think if they want, if they want a Vince Gilligan product now, he's got to be as hands on as he was with, you know, Breaking Bad or or, or Better Call Saul. Uh, but I don't want him to make movies. I just want him to keep making excellent TV shows oh, that yeah, I can enjoy I, for six years. I, I I agree. I think I think this is his medium. Like this is this is what he is best at doing. Uh, telling long stories over a period of time, I think is is his, uh, uh, you know, that's that's his wheelhouse. I think for sure. Um, all right, man, we've got to wrap it up. Unfortunately, yeah, uh, I'm sure the show will return next year or something like that. Yeah. Um, do we know when season two is is even going to get rolling? Has there been any Probably. word on that? I don't know. I mean, I mean, <laughs> the network approved season two before it even aired, so I, I'm assuming they've. They'll probably start writing it before too much longer if they haven't already. Right. And probably start filming and maybe it'll be out by February. I mean, I, I don't, I just, I don't know because like Mad Men's leaving and I don't see why you would, the, just the way The Walking Dead works, you know, The Walking Dead comes back in the fall mm-hmm. and then it comes back, you know, for that, you know, winter into spring. So why would you have better call Saul piggybacking off? I understand the viewership isn't there, but it's one of the it's it's always going to have the core. Like there's just it's never just going to dwindle away. No one's going to watch it. It's going to sit where it's going to sit, kind mm-hmm. of thing. I don't think there, there's always going to be a core there. They don't need it to be a hit show, but I, I don't know why you would want it, as a network why you would want that to run the same time because 
nothing else is working that they've been putting out. So I, I, it may, I mean, Breaking Bad was over the summer. I don't know if it's going to become a summer show next year, which means we have to wait even longer. But I don't know. I'm, I, I, I wish it was back tomorrow, but I feel like we may, we may have to wait a while for this one. Right. Um, it could be a little bit. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, the uh, I, I guess um, there was an interview also with Deadline where they talked to uh, um, oh God, I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, Gold. They talked to him about the um, next season, and uh, he did say that he's expecting that you're going to see a few more faces from Breaking Bad in the second season. So um, let let this. I guess you can let the speculation begin there. What was that, sir? Oh, we're going to see Huel. Oh, perhaps that would be awesome. Um, the uh, <laughs> and you know, at some point, I think we also need to get uh, we also need to get the arch villain, of course, uh, from yeah. Breaking. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Mr. Yes. Esposito, I believe, um, needs to needs to make a return uh, for sure. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's any set date for the second season. I'm sure it won't be for quite some time. So, with uh, with sadness. I, I say for Glenn Beauvais and Anthony Lewis, we will be back next season, I guess. Damn it. On, on Better Talk Saul. The FBI finds kids trapped in your creepy van. You stay real cool and tell them you're the ice cream man. But all that crying just gave you away. Who are you going to call to skip a prison stay? Saul, Saul, you better call Saul to fight for your rights when your back's to the wall. Stay to the man, justice for all. You better call. Best call now, you hear?